He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a widow in that city that said, How much are you going to say? Give me justice against my adversary. Or while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, but because this widow is actually bothered me, I will give her justice if she will not be down by her fear of coming. The Lord said, Here was the unrighteous judge said, Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? So he lay long over them. I tell you, he will give justice to them to feel Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will you find faith on earth? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Attending to drive his way back into his 
brother's good grace. The Sunday's reading picks up on the narrative just as Jacob, fearful that his plan and schemes would come to nothing, sends a reference to his family across the river, hoping that even if Esau refuses his tribute, <coughs> he may at least take pity on Jacob at the sight of his defenseless wife and children. And then it happens, taken by the dark and troubled river, accompanied only by his only frustrated schemes and feeble contingencies, Jacob is attacked by what can only seem like a demon. All night long, the two wrestle until a daylight approaches. Jacob seems to be on the verge of prevailing. His opponent dislocates the tip and demands release. But we first Jacob cries, perceiving that, for the demon or angel, this is no found ordinary creature, which is adversary, adversary, soon to be revealed as the Lord responds, Tell me your name. And here we must pause for to proceed correctly what just transpired we need to recall the significance the name tells in the Eastern European culture from which our Bible comes. Far from merely identifying persons names in Jacob's culture reveals both essential character and sometimes their destiny. If there are no person's names to have a certain power over that person, for no matter what he or she says or does, he, you can reply, hey, you can't get away with that. I know you. If you can remember the years of listening to this story, we know that Jacob's name means the new servant. Supplement, supplant, or more loosely the chief, for he is the one who came from his mother's womb, already dragging his brother's heel. How appropriate a name for a name it is, for all of his life, Jacob has devoted his energy and wit to taking what rightly belongs to others. That being the case, Jacob at heart is nothing more than a fraud. A common trickster, Charles, and scoundrel. He's down to see Jacob knows this. So when the Lord sends Jacob down and demands to know his name, he is demanding no less than <coughs> that Jacob confess. Confess his ill-gotten gains and shy character. Confess his misused talent and wasted life. To this, to do this, to come clean for one such as Jacob, nothing less than death. For when the kind man is revealed for what he is, what, what does he have left? To do this way, we can hardly refrain from rejoicing at this game. For long last, Jacob is about to receive a proper commotion. To be put in his place once and for all, probably as he deserves. Except that in the face of Jacob's confession of his name, the Lord, far from doling out punishment, Jacob will certainly merit and probably expect the Lord gives Jacob a new name. He calls him Israel, the one who has wrestled with God and with man and his prevailed. The scene concludes with Jacob living away from his concept is defeated but victorious, carrying a new name and character, and living life as a new person. For not only will Jacob and Esau be reconciled, but Jacob will also father a nation for Israel, and they and his descendants probably bear the same name to this day. This tale is phenomenally bizarre as it is, has been for many years one of my favorites, simply for the way that it so purely illustrates our understanding of baptism. For in baptism, we too are given a new name. God beholds us by calling us on an angel to Christ. In my time in the Anglican Communion, we typically avoid all, nearly all talk, refer to holy baptism as Christian. We both prefer to visit the word baptism, in which we distinguish, distinguish our sacraments from the common name of inanimate objects, say, like ships. If this word can also be useful for us, a Christian directly meant just for itself. In baptism, we are part of the That is called by the name of Christ, and made 
With this name, our new name not only describes us, but in time it also defines all of our living and being, as we more fully understand and invested with God's promise regarding each and each and every one of us, God's own blood child, and to account Christ's righteousness as our own. So this is where things get powerful. For the truth be told, we are each called by so many names day and day out. Some of us do it in affirming, many more not, and it can be terribly difficult even to hear. None of them believe that God chooses to call us Christ. And yet there it is. In the 8th chapter of Romans, which is simply brimmed over with baptismal imagery, Paul promises that the Holy Spirit and our spirit bear witness that we are children of God, that we are His children, and we are heirs as well, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. And so maybe this is that important to be able to advise because of their, their names. With a side of names or by writing them down on paper, ask her to answer this one question. Who are you, really? What is your name? What is it that others call you? More importantly, what is it that you call yourself? What is the name that you can hardly speak for fear or shame? Scoundrel, cheap, or phony, like Jacob? Unworthy, irresponsible, unfaithful? Disturbed to burn out, bored, deserted, or widowed? Cowardly or bullied, unloved or unloved? Disappointed or disappointed, or abused or abuser, ugly or abnormal. This won't be easy to do, as admitting the power of these names over us implies a significant amount of vulnerability. But I think that only as we confess the names we wear and bear can we also hear God's unbelieving response. You are my beloved, the one I chose and redeemed at great cost, the one whom I am committed to, whom I have promised to protect and care for all the days of your life. For you are my child, you are one in Christ. What if we imagine that church is a place where we come to each week to bring all other names with us, confessing them honestly, and then leaving them behind, departing from here simply as Christians. Those who bear the name of Christ, armed with the love, commitment, and courage of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the courage that you have set and the faithfulness you respond to that expression and the promise that we share. Christ's name is the prayer. Amen.